Welcome to Dentists, Puns, and Money. I am your host, Sean Terrell, and we are back with more acronyms. In this episode, we will discuss FAQs about RMDs. In other words, frequently asked questions about required minimum distributions. This episode is part one of two dedicated to discussing RMDs. In a separate episode next month, we will dive deeper into building a strategy around required minimum distributions so as to potentially lower the amount of taxes due over a dentist's lifetime. But before doing that, I think some background knowledge about RMDs would be really helpful to begin with. So today we'll discuss the eight most frequently asked questions about RMDs. And just like with treatment planning as a clinician, you first must provide the patient with some baseline education before you can talk about potential actions or strategies or treatments. And I'm gonna try to take the same approach here. So education today and then next month, a couple episodes from now, we will dive deeper into how to approach RMDs and a few potential actions to take. So quick reminder before we get started, our company, Dentist Exit Planning, helps dentists leaving clinical with the financial piece of that transition. With things like RMD strategies and with other ways to reduce that massive lifetime tax bill and with how to optimize living off of your assets. If you are interested in guidance on your taxes and your income as you exit clinical, you can schedule an initial consultation with us on our website, which is DentistExit.com. Again, a no obligation initial consultation can be scheduled at DentistExit.com. And with that introduction, let's address frequently asked questions related to required minimum distributions. A little story to start. I am a big baseball fan. I went to my first Cubs game at Wrigley Field when I was seven years old, and I've probably watched thousands of baseball games in my lifetime. And I mention that because as I record this episode, it's early April of 2023, and it's opening week for Major League Baseball. And there's been some pretty fundamental rule changes in the big leagues this season. In fact, I would go so far as to call them radical rule changes relative to the long history of the game of baseball. Now, the early returns, the very early returns on these new rule changes seem to be positive, and these changes are for the better. But I mention all of this because if you had Doc Brown's DeLorean and you brought a baseball fan from 10 years ago to a game today, they would have no idea about some of the things now going on during a Major League Baseball game. And that's really relative when talking about required minimum distribution. Like baseball, for a long period of time, the rules around RMDs had stayed pretty much the same up until about three years ago. So I would wager to guess that the average person is not up to speed on some of these specific changes that have occurred as a result of both the original SECURE Act and the SECURE Act 2.0. Both were passed in the last three years or so of this recording. And then you throw in some of the temporary rule changes associated with the pandemic And you really have a recipe for a lot of confusion when it comes to RMDs. So all of this is to say when you're working on your RMDs, it's critical that you're working off of accurate, up-to-date information. Much of the information that you'll find on the internet today is not up-to-date or correct. In fact, the IRS is still playing catch-up itself on its website related to these recent laws, uh, changes that were passed by Congress at the end of 2022. So definitely work with your financial advisor, work with your accountant, and make sure that you have your RMD ducks in a row relative to all these recent changes. 
So with that preamble out of the way, let's start with frequently asked question number one. Let's start really basic. What is a required minimum distribution? Answer, the IRS code allows the opportunity for most people, dentists included, to defer some of the income they earn in the current year to some yet-to-be-determined year in the future. As an easy example, if you earn $200,000 from practicing dentistry in 2023 and your practice has a 401k plan, you could, in theory, choose to defer roughly $20,000 of that $200,000 into your 401k plan. So in that scenario, that 20k goes into your 401k and your taxable income is reduced by the difference. So your income from 2023 is now $180,000 in terms of what gets reported on your taxes at the end of the year, instead of $200,000. And now you have that $20,000 and whatever it grows to uh, that will be in your 401k account and be taxed at some point in the future whenever you take that money out. The catch is the IRS will not let you defer paying tax on that money forever. You can't keep that money in the 401k forever. Once you hit a certain age, the IRS will require that you take a minimum amount of that money back out of the account, which then becomes taxable to you in the year that that distribution occurs. So again, it's required by the IRS. There's a minimum amount that you have to take. And once you hit a certain age, and we'll get into all the details on the ages and how they actually calculate the minimum amount here in a little bit. But let's go to FAQ number two first. Uh, what types of accounts do RMDs apply to? And this is probably a good time for me to throw out a little disclaimer. I'm trying to hit on the big pieces of RMDs in this podcast without getting too deep into the weeds. Seems like I say that a lot, but I'm not going to get into every nook and cranny of every account. And just kind of with that being said, in general, in general, RMDs apply to any account where income tax has been deferred or in which tax has not been assessed to it yet. So any part of a 401k or other qualified plan through an employer like a 403b or profit sharing plan that includes tax deferred money or pre-tax money will eventually have a required minimum distribution associated with it. Same goes for most traditional IRAs, SEP IRAs, simple IRAs that were contributed to on a pre-tax basis. So just make sure to double check your account statements as most of these aforementioned accounts can also be contributed to on a post-tax basis. We're looking for the ones that have not yet been taxed or that are pre-tax. FAQ number three, at what age are minimum distributions required? This one is the cause of a lot of confusion because of all the recent rule changes I mentioned a little bit ago. The age for RMDs has changed multiple times very recently. So to make it as simple as possible, let me say this, or let me explain it this way. If you were born in 1950 or earlier, you should already be taking your required minimum distributions on any pre-tax accounts that you have. If you were born between 1951 and 1959, the first year you will be required to take a minimum distribution is the tax year that you turn 73 years old. And if you were born in 1960 or later, the first year you will be required to take a minimum distribution is the tax year in which you turn 75 years old. So hopefully that makes it clearer for everyone. Frequently asked question number four, how do I calculate my RMD? 
So before diving into that, the custodian of your investment account or the financial advisor associated with any investment account requiring a minimum distribution should be helping you with that calculation and delivering that number to you. If that's not happening or you just want to double check the math, it's somewhat easy to do that as well. So the first thing to understand about calculating your RMD is that it is based on your account balance on the final day of the previous year. So as an example, if you were required to take a minimum distribution for 2022, the exact amount of that required distribution will be based on your total account balance on December 31st, 2021. So for 2022, you look back to the end of 2021 to calculate what you need to take out at a minimum for 2022. The second factor in determining your RMD is your age. And the third factor is something called the Uniform Lifetime Table, which is published by the IRS. And like anything with the IRS, nothing is simple. So there is more than one table, depending on whether or not you're married, depending on the age of your spouse, and depending on who is listed as the beneficiary of the accounting question. So just make sure when calculating all this, you have the correct IRS table for your situation. Assuming so, you take your age, your account value, and you plug it into this correct table, and you do the math on your exact RMD for that given year. Just for some context, if you're 73 years old now, and you're taking your first RMD, it's currently going to be just under 4% of whatever your account value is. But the table requires that you take a higher percentage withdrawal each year as you age. So if your account value happened to stay flat year to year, your withdrawal amount would actually increase each year moving forward, all things being equal. And if your account continues to grow and your account value goes up in spite of these distributions, the required minimum distribution each year would increase even further. Just kind of one more example of that uh, for context, your withdrawal percentage I said a second ago at 73 would be around 4% or just under it. At age 85, 12 years later, it will be over 6% of the account value uh, by the time someone age reaches 85. And that's based on the most commonly used IRS table in force today. FAQ number five about RMDs. Can I combine my accounts when calculating and taking RMDs? Ready for this? It depends. Some of the accounts that require minimum distributions can be combined in your calculations and your distributions, while other accounts cannot be combined. Without getting into all the different scenarios, let me just hit on the most common example of this. So let's say you're a dentist that has four total accounts that require minimum distributions. Two of these accounts are traditional IRAs, and two of these accounts are still in a 401k plan of some sort. For simplicity, let's also assume that each account, all four, has exactly $100,000 in it, so a total of $400,000 between the four accounts. Let's also assume that your required minimum distribution percentage for your current age is exactly 4%. So you're required to take 4% out for each account balance that you have. So with IRAs, you can combine the calculation and the minimum distribution required. With 401k accounts, you cannot combine. You cannot do the same. So in this scenario, this hypothetical that I laid out, a dentist's RMD for the two IRAs would be $8,000 total for the year. 
So the $200,000 times 4% equals $8,000 in total. And that required distribution for the IRAs uh, can be taken out of either IRA in combination as long as the total equals $8,000. So you could take all $8,000 out of one IRA and let the other one sit, or you could split that $8,000 up in any uh, combination you wanted to, as long as the total between the two for the IRAs gets you to $8,000 of a distribution for the year. With the 401ks, each RMD must be calculated separately for each account, and they cannot be combined to reach the total correct distribution. So in our scenario, $4,000 would have to be distributed from each 401k for each year. And just to drive the point home, you cannot take your 401k RMD from the IRA. So if the total RMD from all accounts for the year was $16,000, again, 400,000 total times 4%, that would be $16,000 for the year. You could not take that total 16,000 out of one or both of the IRAs because the 401k accounts have to be done individually. So if it's not obvious already, you can see how this could get really confusing for the uninitiated, especially when you're talking about people that are aging and into their 80s and their 90s and just trying to keep track of all the numbers and the differences between the accounts. It can be a really confusing thing. So hopefully this is adding some, <laughs> some help in that area. Frequently asked question number six, are the RMD rules different if I inherit the account in question from someone else? Short answer, yes. For our purposes here, I'm not going to get into the flow charts of all the various scenarios that come into play. I just want you to know that if you inherit an account that requires an RMD, how you handle that will be different than if it was your own account to begin with. In short, uh, those rules are determined by your relationship to the original account holder, how old that account holder was when they passed away, and the type of account in question. So as an example, there are no RMDs associated with your own Roth IRA account or accounts. However, if you inherit a Roth IRA from a parent or a sibling, there would be required minimum distributions for you associated with that account. Question number seven, what happens if I fail to take my required minimum distribution for a given year? If you forget to take an RMD or you make an error in your calculation and you don't take as much as you should have, the penalty is pretty steep. The penalty is 25% of whatever the shortfall is from that required amount. Now, there are ways to get the penalty lowered if the error is for a reason that is acceptable to the IRS or the error is corrected in a timely fashion, uh, but nothing there is guaranteed. And as steep as a 25% penalty seems, it's actually much lower than it was until very recently. Prior to the passage of the Secure Act 2.0 at the end of 2022, the penalty for a missed RMD was actually 50% of the shortfall. So the IRS is not messing around when it comes to making sure people take their RMDs. And the final frequently asked question about RMDs, question number eight, what is the tax rate on my required minimum distribution? In other words, if my RMD for the year is $100,000 total, how much tax will I pay on that $100,000 of income? After all, one of the biggest reasons for a dentist to defer income is likely because they're currently in a higher tax bracket, but expect to be in a lower tax bracket at some point in the future. So 
this one is intentionally loaded to drive a point home, or it's an intentionally loaded question to drive the point home. The amount of tax that's going to be due on those RMDs in the future is, is unknown. And that's because tax rates and tax brackets are established by the IRS. And as we like to say, they're written in pencil, not pen, figuratively speaking, meaning they can and likely will change in the future. In addition, the amount of tax due on your RMD will be combined with and depend on other sources of taxable income that you have for any given tax year in the future. So the point that I'm trying to, to make is that if your goal is to pay the tax that you are legally obligated to pay, but not pay any more, then the best way to do that is to understand how RMDs work and understand the rules associated with RMDs. And the second point here is to have a strategy around RMDs to make sure you don't do anything to overpay what you owe the IRS. Another way to say it, it's important to be intentional about your taxes post-clinical and to be proactive with your plan instead of reactive. All right, there you have it. The eight most frequently asked questions related to required minimum distributions. This episode was all about information and education. In our podcast that's set to release about a month from now, we will dive deeper into the specific ways that not having an RMD strategy can increase your lifetime tax bill. So just to bring it all full circle, just like with baseball, it is critical to be up to date with the rules of the game as it relates to taxes. Sometimes we can go long periods of time without any changes to these rules. But as we said earlier, recently there's been some pretty big changes to the tax rules, especially around RMDs. We don't have any control over the rules. The IRS handles that, but we do need to understand and figure out how to interpret these rules so we can apply them and play the tax game, if you can call it that, the best of our ability. So that's all I've got for now. I hope you found this information useful and helpful, and we will talk to you all again very, very soon. Thanks for listening and following along. Are you a dentist nearing your retirement from clinical, or have you already hung up your handpiece? Would you like a treatment plan for the financial components of your exit from clinical? Our company, Dentist Exit Planning, helps dentists like you reduce taxes in retirement and optimize how to best live off your assets, including the ideal time for you to start taking Social Security. If you'd like guidance on those critical pieces or just a second opinion, schedule an initial consultation with us on our website. Our web address is dentistexit.com and there's no obligation for your initial consultation. That website again, dentistexit.com. As a reminder, Dentist Exit Planning and Terrell Advisors LLC is a registered investment advisor. The information presented should not be interpreted or construed as investment, legal, tax, financial planning, or wealth management advice. It does not substitute for personalized investment or financial planning from Dentist Exit Planning or Terrell Advisors LLC. Please consult with your accountant and attorney for tax and legal advice. This podcast conveys the views and opinions of Sean Terrell and his guests, and the information herein should not be considered a solicitation to engage in a particular investment, tax planning, or financial planning strategy. Information presented is for educational purposes only, and past performance is 
not indicative of future results.